It's the final word World Cup Daily 2023 for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. I'm Adam Collins in London. Jeff Lemon has had the great privilege of being at the work, rest and play to watch that. It's day 34 of the tournament. Uh, Jeff, you've got 30 seconds off the top. There'll be a lot more seconds required after that. Afghanistan were well set up. Um, Ibrahim Zadra made their first World Cup 100, 129. Rashid Khan smashed some at the end. They made 291 and Australia were in all sorts. The Afghan quicks blew them away early four wickets early, three to the spin, no, two to the spinners and a run out. They ended up at 71 for six. There's no way they could win it there from there. There is no way. Glenn Maxwell made 100. That was a token consolation 100. Then he made another 100. He made 201 to win the game game from nowhere with Pat Cummins for company in a double century partnership with three overs to spare on no legs at the end, couldn't move, cramping to the heavens and somehow found the middle of the bat almost every time. That's the end of my summary, but that is, <laughs> I don't want to recency bias this, but it's, it's, it's at least equal with the greatest things I have ever seen on a cricket field mm. tonight. I've never seen a match like that or a performance exactly like that all right let's do the administrative bits i don't think we're going to need to be in a hurry here jeff i don't think anyone's yeah. going to hold us to um a podcast that goes for 23 and a half minutes or something like that today they know the background um they'll want to mm. hear i expect for you and me to talk about this in a bit more detail so um, it, it goes for as long as it goes <laughs> goes for as long as it goes 292 is the target they get there in the 47th Maxwell, 201 from 128 balls, 21 fours and 10 sixes. Pat Cummins joins him for the biggest eighth wicket stand in one-day history by an absolute mile. They add 202 that went between the 19th over and the end in the 47th. Cummins made 12, not out, from 68 with one boundary, a strike rate of 17.7. It almost feels wrong to spend the next half an hour talking about Maxwell if we don't start with Cummins. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but what an incredibly disciplined, measured accomplished performance it was from the captain to come out there. And as he said in his post-game media commitments, it was Maxwell telling him that he thought he could still do it. But I must admit, Jeff, when Cummins walked out there, I tweeted something something to the effect of, they've got to be a bit careful here. They get rolled for 100. Net run rate might yet be a factor for Australia. Mm-hmm. If they lose this you know, by 150-something, 160-something runs, and if they do lose to Bangladesh, they might end up in the in the drop zone because of net run rate, such as the volatility of, of these matters. So there, there was a jeopardy as far as semi-final stuff was concerned. They could have shut up shop, but Cummins said of himself, um, Maxwell never was talking about anything other than how he was going to navigate his way to victory and navigate it. He did through the most challenging of physical circumstances with his body basically shutting down, 40-degree heat, Uh, He described in his interview when he was named man of the match that he hasn't been able to do this kind of high-intensity training in hot weather because he broke his leg in two this time last year. A number of other injury setbacks along the way. And we spoke a little bit about this after the century against the Netherlands, but um, he needed someone to go with him and Cummins was the absolute perfect ally in all of that. It's interesting. If you look at it, if you look at the scoreboard, the scorecard, you might sort of say, well, what was going on with that? What was going on with that was that the rate, Maxwell kept the rate at about a runner ball required yeah. through most of that innings. And so the rate was broadly in hand, which meant that, and particularly once he started to cramp up later in the innings and, and couldn't run between the wickets, then 
once Cummins came onto strike in and over, there there were no quick singles, there were no slow singles. Um, there was an occasional sort of hobbled, almost crawled single if, if the ball was <laughs> going for what might otherwise have been a three. But there were there were extensive periods where it was like, okay, Cummins is on strike with four balls to go. That's fine. Just face them out. Yeah. Just face them out because that will leave Maxwell on strike for the next over. At which point he would hit a four or a six, um, and then there would be a run at some point so he could try to take strike for the next over and then that was it. All Cummins needed to do was shut up shop. And I'm sure it went against his instincts in a way because we know that he can hit sixes. He hit four of them in an innings against uh, was it the New Zealand game the other day. He hit 37 off 17 from memory with four sixes. Hit some monsters um, in his time, 14 ball, 50 in the IPL and all the rest of it. For that player to say, it's not my job to hit sixes today or to hit fours. Mm. I don't need to do anything. I just need to stay around because it doesn't matter if we soak up four or five dot balls here because Maxwell's going to catch that up in the very next over. Um, So that's how they managed it. But that's how they had to start managing it once Maxwell was on about 130 because he was cooked. He'd been 50 overs in the field. He bowled his 10 overs, he bowled well, um, contributed mm. in that sense, and then had to come out and bat particularly early in the piece. So it's it's 49 for four when Maxwell comes out, and that's in the ninth over. So he, basically he's involved in, in all but nine, and you know, eight and a bit overs of the match in a physical capacity, and all he's had is the half hour off. And then he bats that innings and bats through through the rest of the innings. So that's... That's sort of where it goes from after, after those two come together. But at the point where they do come together, Afghanistan are surging. They've got all the momentum. This game is theirs. They're going to win this game. And it's partly because of the way they finish off with the bat, where where Ibrahim Zadran creeps his way up to 100, but then blows up after that, hits three sixes, takes them on, and Rashid Khan does the same. They've got momentum, and then they come out and nick off Travis Head second ball. Um, Naveen mm. Al-Haq does the business there. And then suddenly, the ball's doing all sorts. It's swinging, it's seaming, and, and Azmatullah, as the, the medium pace seamer, who's, who's sort of been seen as just a bit of a donkey work bowler, bowls an incredible spell with Naveen doing the same at the other end. Total final word, favourite energy from Asmatullah. I was getting oh, really excited on the on the Guardian coverage. I was I was uh, I was quite happy to be on the Guardian coverage today, where I could commit all my energy to writing it down rather than speaking it out. I might have struggled with that. Might talk more about that in a little bit late, a little bit later in the podcast. But now Asmatullah, who you know we, we've seen have a bit of a golden arm. We haven't seen him work over a player of David Warner's caliber though. Mm. The maiden that preceded it, then first ball of his next set castles him when Warner. Um, tried to play the big shot because he was pinned down by the young all-rounder. You know, he's batted as high as number five in this tournament. Hit a glorious six-second ball oh, off yeah. Mitchell Stark today, as Matula, just to give them in that back 10 a chance of doing something special. And look, they get to 291 um, thanks to a bit of good fortune with Marcus Stoinis clearly taking a catch out in the deep and it being overturned by the third umpire, Chris Gaffney. You had a mare there. On another day, I might give you a, a five-minute rant about specialist mm. TV umpires and the need for them. I'm not going to do that today. It's not that kind of podcast. But there's no as time. Matula, yeah, there's another time for that. But as Matula, um bowling as well as he did and then being on a hat trick to Maxwell first ball. Remember, the first ball to Maxwell, my instinct is he's gone here. That's hit the pad on the way through because obviously it doesn't quite carry uh, to the wicketkeeper. And I'm thinking, he's, he's in strife here. That's hitting mm. line. It was the faint outside edge of the bat after it just missed the front pad that saved Maxwell from being a hat-trick victim. And, of course, he gets the piece of great fortune when Mujib puts him down at short fine when he's on about, what, 30 odd or something like that, Jeff? 33. And there's another missed opportunity when he he, um, he clunks one to mid-off where two fielders are running back with the flight. 
Um, I think it's Rashid Khan and it's, possibly yeah. the captain Hashmatullah. Hush, it's Hashmatullah. Rashid was the bowler. So Rashid started yeah. going for it and was never going to make it. It was going too far back. Um, and Hashmatullah right. was coming a long way across from cover. Dived at it. He actually over-dived it. We've seen a few players do that in this World Cup. So got yep. it up near the, the, the heels of the hand because he dived a little bit too far um, from that one that sort of skewed up off, off the leading edge. But, but it was such a dominant display from Afghanistan. You know, the way that um, Naveen fought back after conceding boundaries and blows off Mitchell Marsh's pad with an absolute beauty, changing the angle, going wider on the crease, you know, getting uh, Travis Head with exactly the kind of ball that gets gets Travis Head out because he, he feels the yep. need to get that on ball when you're around the wicket. So and that, that, that's his game, by the way. I'm not critical yep. of Head for playing the ball the way he did, but that's just classy bowling. A good delivery is allowed to get you out. The squeeze was on to such a profound extent. Josh Inglis hmm. nicking off first ball. It really did feel like all out 100. It felt like momentous yep. night for Afghanistan, not only beating Australia, going four in a row, five out of six, beating another full member, doing it with a leg in the air and going into the South Africa mm. game with big momentum. And that is where, just to come back to Maxwell for a moment, that's where what Maxwell did at that point with Cummins was so important. Stoinis gets out reverse sweeping, a bit of a frazzled shot. He hits so many boundaries from the first ball of an over. I counted 11. It might have been more than that by the end. It probably was. But he, he put pressure on the fielding team with the first ball without anything hmm. outlandish. He was just picking a gap and playing the way he can play. Most of the time it was coming off. And that gave Cummins the flexibility to right, go, right, we're not going to let this required run rate get above seven. We'll let it hover between six and seven. And we know that if Maxwell's batting in the 47th over, as it proved, we're going to win comfortably. And yep. I mean, don't you love it when a plan comes to fruition? Rarely does it, but... um. This, you know, we, we, we've seen Jonathan Trott and his whiteboard. This needed to be a lot more sophisticated than that. Uh, and it needed to have a player of mm. the gifts of Maxwell and the, and the composure of Cummins coming together when they did to make it even vaguely possible. I want to just run through those early dismissals that we've sort of, that we've, we've mentioned in bits and pieces. So Travis had second ball that he faces in the second over. He's mm. gone. Mitchell Marsh comes out and hits it as cleanly as he ever has um, and as cleanly as he ever will. That he pl- it, There's a flat pull shot for six over mid-wicket and then he thunders a straight drive down the ground as well um, into the sight screen. He's 24 off 11 when he's LBW <laughs> to Naveen in the sixth over. They've already got 43 on the board by that point. Um, and then David Warner in the ninth over plays that slog across the line. Weird yeah. shot, incredible delivery. The, the ball, So Asmatula comes around yeah. the wicket, seam up, swings in prodigiously, hits the seam, decks in even further, and it starts from really wide on the crease, and Warner sees the angle in and decides to smash it over mid-wicket. Nowhere near it, loses his off stump out of the ground, three down, and at that point, at three down in the ninth, I'm thinking Afghanistan are going to win this. Like, they are, they are on here. Um, and then Inglis, very next ball, plays at one. They've got, they started with three slips at one point. Um, they had two slips in for Inglis at that stage. That catch is taken. Um, and then there's the Labuschagne run out where Maxwell takes a single that you would take between overs 40 and 50, but Labuschagne's not expecting him to take it um, in, within the, you know, the first 15 overs of the game. So he clips it to mid-wicket. Labuschagne's a little slow to start, stutters a bit and then goes and then sort of gets the bat twisted in his hand as he tries to dive in. It goes face up. So he actually makes his ground, gets the bat over the line, but it's not grounded. Yeah, it's the roof um, side. Run out. Yeah. yeah. I just, just on that Maxwell Marnus run out before we brush over it, it is Marnus's fault. I mean, it's Maxwell's call. Um, mm. it's, it's in front of square. So the way you're taught to call when you're growing up, in front of square is the striker's decision. He calls very loudly. Stump might pick this up. It's a loud, effusive call of yes. And he takes off. Maxwell makes his ground by meters. So Marnus's indecision was what cost him there. And, you know, that, that, that happens, right? I, I, yep. I take your point that it's in the first 15 overs and they've been losing wickets, but it's not Marnus's to dictate from the non-strikers end there. It's um, 
it's not his call. So it's um, no. you know that that's that's the risk you run when you um, yep. don't honour the call immediately. But there's that sense of momentum, right? When when you see, yeah, yeah. particularly with runouts, there's always that feeling that a team is really starting to stuff it up, like that they have things, everything's going wrong. They, if they're managing to lose wickets without even losing them to bowlers, um, and then Stoinis comes out and and you know sweeps one four powerfully, but then tries a reverse sweep. Yeah, you don't see Marcus Stoinis play a lot of reverse sweeps. He's got a very good conventional slog sweep, but um, he's more a, a hit down the ground sort of guy or sweep yeah. conventionally against spin. And he's facing Rashid Khan, and Rashid Khan bowls furiously fast, and he fizzes it, and he bowls at the stumps, and that's exactly what happens this time. He's LBW, so it's that there's that momentum. The momentum is cascading in one direction. It is all like you say, Australia all out 110, um, and then it's Maxwell managing to put a cork in that for probably 10, 15 overs, and just gradually work his way back into the game. And then by that point, he's on like 70, and you're thinking, oh, he's going to make a consolation hundred here in a loss that won't be as bad as it should as it as it would have been. It's funny, it actually got worse than that because the Stark dismissal, I'm not sure whether you were able to pick this up on radio, television did a good job of this after the fact. So Stark initially, oh, yeah. um, he initially is like, I totally forgot what's about going on Stark. here? What, you know, what's going on here? Um, I don't know whether he's caught it. Brilliant yeah. bit of work from Ikram um, to had the presence to, after the deflection, it came off his glove and kind of instinctively followed the ball before diving at the perfect time. So well played there to drag it in and all the rest of it. Yeah. But Stark's three, discombobulated. Three on that. He, he slaps it up with yeah. his left hand and drops it. Then he slaps it up in the air again and then he clutches it to his chest with his right hand as he tumbles over. Right. And Stark's so like confused by the whole moment. And I, I suppose the, the pressure, the cooker, the, the, the one could they would have felt like at the time, that he didn't review it. And mm. it did miss his edge. It hit the off stump. Now, we've spoken a lot about balls hitting those stumps, the zing bales or the, the, the stumps lighting up and and uh, and the, the bales not being removed. So um, I suppose natural justice was done because he was out anyway. It hit but the stump. Nevertheless, it, was, it did hit the stump. It definitely hit off stump. But my point oh, is, is that... That's the bit like, I, um, I, I saw on the replay that he'd missed it, but I didn't see that. No, no, no. Yeah, it hit off stump. Hit off stump, definitely. So um, the bale didn't come off. Up. So, okay. yeah, so, so it, he, it was so meant was to be... So he was bold, even though he was given out. He was, yeah, the way you and I have talked about it on the podcast before, we want to yeah. see um, technology introduced for bold dismissals to avoid that kind of thing into the future. Again, it's not mm. the day for that. Uh, it's definitely not the podcast for that. But still, sure. it added to that sense that they were like they were just cooked. It was yep. one of those days where nothing goes right. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they've effectively sealed mm. qualification for the semifinals. And they're, you know, in footy in a footy sense... They're dropping a game in round mm -hmm. 20 when they're going to make the top four. You know, but, you see teams do it all the time. But they, that, that is where Cummins, like, again, I, I, I want, and we'll do a big, bigger Maxwell dive in a sec about the way he played, but where Cummins was able to stop the rot by mm. betting basically like it was a test match and going, no, 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 I'm just going to get behind the ball, knock it on the head and let some pressure be absorbed for a while and let Maxwell find his way, acknowledging there were a couple of, those couple of drop catches in quick succession. The leg before shout where Maxwell is given out on the field to Nor Ahmed, you pick it up. So, yeah. but because Mitchell Stark doesn't use the review, the reason he doesn't want to use the review is what if I burn that review and then we need it later? Um, and then Maxwell uses it. Now, we talk about causality a lot on this show. So, if Mitchell Stark <laughs> does use the review, then he will be found not out um, and he will be allowed to continue batting. And maybe, maybe Maxwell doesn't end up playing the great innings that he plays. Um, something would happen differently. He wouldn't end up needing the exact review in the circumstances that he needed it, but he, you know, he might. Um, th that was the, the danger in Mitchell Stark's mind was what if I use this review and then later we need one and we don't have one. Yeah. They do need one. They do use it because Max, because Noor Ahmad, who bowls really well, again, the 18-year-old left-arm wrist spinner, 
pitches mm. one just in line, just in line with with leg stump. It's going on. It's hitting him in line. Um, he's just got a big stride forward, and he reviews it because, of course, you, you have to. And it's have just to. clearing, yeah. just clearing middle stump by maybe maybe half a centimetre. Um, but again, I'm not so, sure if you saw this on radio. Maxwell was making his way off. Like yeah, Maxwell had he, decided he it was out, and Zampa was walking down the stairs. Yeah, he saw the replay, and he's like, "Oh, that's hit me." Knee roll, it's going to be three reds. You know, I'm stuffed here. It's at least umpire's call. Um, you know, we often joke about the setting that the that the that the Hawkeye tracking is on with with these things. But he was he had a huge grin on his face, like how the fuck have I gotten away with that one? Zampa had walked through the dressing room, put his helmet on, was coming down those famous stairs at Mumbai, then saw the projection and started walking back. So you know, they all accepted that it was Maxwell walking in at about or walking back into the dressing room at about you know. 150 for eight, and it was going to be over very shortly. Right. Little did they know. But, I mean, that's what I thought watching this. I thought this, this, you know, another opportunity will come. But Maxwell said afterwards that that point, the LBW point, was when he said, "I'm poking around too yeah. much. I just I need to be more aggressive, because if I if I can put pressure back on them, then it's going to be easier to face the bowling." And and that's exactly what he starts doing. And it's not crazy. He brings up his hundred from was it 78 balls for the hundred. Yep. Um, I'm sure you wrote that down on on the blog at a time at the time, which is, I mean, that's around about the Gilbert Jessup. Test match hundred record for England, isn't it? Seventy eight balls, something like that. So it's a quick, yep. it's a quick hundred. Um, if you're making a seventy eight ball hundred, it's a fast one day hundred. It's not record setting in, in this day and age. Obviously, Maxwell got one off forty balls against the Dutch, but that was a an entirely different situation. But in this situation, to do it off seventy eight is pretty bloody good going. And and I just thought, well, it's nice for him that he's made a ridiculously good hundred in a situation where the team is cooked. And at some point, he's going to hit one up in the air because that is what you have to do. And he just doesn't. He just continues to not do it. And he doesn't try to do it all at once. He doesn't try to take 30 off any over. He just keeps picking it off. And then when he's got around about 130 on the board, that's when he starts cramping up and starts finding it more difficult to move. And this is, I think, where this innings shifts gears from a really Mm. good innings to possibly, certainly the best one-day innings I've ever seen probably the best one ever played no one's ever made a double hundred chasing before every one day double hundred has been in the first innings um no one's ever put on a partnership that big for the eighth wicket before like by a mile of which like you said Cummins made 12 of the 200 that they put on uh, and Maxwell with a few extras in there probably made 180 of them and 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 to, to run down a target from that far behind but to do it when he can't move. He's he's trying to run singles and he's he's hobbling singles like like almost walking and trying to power walk like trying to you know who's the who's the it was it Jane Savile coming into the stadium um, in the 2000 Olympics. He's walking running between the wickets like her just to try to get down to the other end uh, so that he can face the next over. And then you've got Cummins just blocking out hole overs to get Maxwell back on strike. And yet somehow he keeps finding the middle of the bat regularly enough that he keeps picking off boundaries. He keeps finding the gaps. They've got five guys with their heels on the ropes and he keeps hitting it sufficiently between them that he's getting it for four. I just couldn't believe it, right? So this is when the innings goes from being, yeah, you're right. I mean, I didn't see it as a constellation 100 because I could see the way he celebrated it or didn't. You know, normally Maxwell, very emotional guy. We know that. He goes nuts when he makes 100. He just kind of, you know... Wave the bat, like job not done. I'm backing myself here. I can do this. I know I can do this. And the the problems with cramp kick in at about 120, I reckon, from memory. And and it gets really bad at about 140, you know, thereabouts, ballpark. And the fact that he cannot run to the other end, it's a hopping, tumbling, lunging thing. 
mm. that he's doing to get there when he needs to. Cummins played out a maiden in the 43rd over. I mean, it's an incredible um, analysis when you go through mm. it all. The way they played Rashid Khan's last over, when they knew how crucial it was that they knocked the last two balls on the head. So Maxwell knocked them both on the head. Didn't even bother trying to get the single from the last ball. It was calculated. It was clever. But mm. it was absolutely fucking bonkers when he was unable to actually use his feet to strike the ball. So he clearly made a decision that I'm going to do this all with eye and core strength. And Shane Watson had a good bit on TV about Maxwell's core strength. I know Watto being a lover of Pilates and all the rest of it, I wasn't surprised to hear him talk about this. But, you know, he was playing legs dead straight, stick cricket, legs dead straight and almost arms dead straight at times as well, flicking the ball with so much power and so such glorious timing and able to get the ball underneath his eye line sufficiently well to keep picking out deep mid-wicket over the rope or through the field. Some of those searing cut shots that were a little bit earlier in the innings, but just to put pressure both sides of the ground, they couldn't stack the field at, yep. at, to one side to the extent they otherwise might. He played a couple of brilliant reverses. One of them, that reverse flick was akin to the one he played yep. against the Dutch to bring up, I think he went to 92 or something with that against them, where that's it was the, a genuine the, pace. The Naveen was 40- back. 44th over, yeah. The way, was that the one of Hasmatullah where he plays the... Yeah. He, he's, and, and like literally can't move his feet by this point. So there's a point where he tries Absolutely. to hobble through for a run and collapses. So he's been on the ground three or four times um, trying to do stretches. He's had treatment. He's had the trainer out. They're giving him like back rubs and things to try to help stop his back seizing up. And then he shuffles through for this single and collapses and just lies there stiff as a board with his arms by his side, literally screaming because the cramps are so bad. Um, And to give you some context, it is so humid here. Like in Mumbai, it's super hot. It's super sticky. And he's been on the field for eight hours straight basically and he's done he gets a long treatment break they haul him back on his feet Adam Zampa comes down the stairs ready to bat they're going to retire (laughs) Maxwell Hurt with about seven overs to go um, so that Zampa can come out and bat for a couple of overs and hopefully give Maxwell enough time to come back again and then he gets back on his feet after what felt like 10 minutes and says okay I'm going to keep going and I'm just going to keep trying to hit boundaries and he does but that reverse that's off a fast bowler it's quick it sits up and without being able to move his feet he just turns the wrists around and flicks it over deep third for one of the bigger sixes that he's hit it was i cannot describe how insane it is that he's able to do that yeah and he's on 147 when he hits the deck and that's the bad one right well i agree i think they were considering retiring him hurt the second time zampa puts the lid on and goes down the stairs and all the rest of it's only to be sent back up them again um but yeah, there's even another, like there's an extra gear he finds even at that point. When he realized that that was the last time he actually tried to run a single, had to jog it, had to hop it, and they should have run him out. If they were yeah. across this, um, they should have realized that he was going to try and take the single by hook or by crook. And um, you, you talked about feet on the rope. They were heels back on the rope. They were so worried mm-hmm. about him hitting a six. They weren't equal to the the bit where he was incentivized to take one somehow and hobble down there and be on strike for the next over and and so it proved. But from there, you're dealing in a in a dot four six game, and in a dot four six game, you occasionally see when there's a player who's super injured. Nathan Lyon at Lords earlier this year springs to mind, but it's not that unusual, right? Where a player is so incapacitated, they've torn a muscle, they can't do anything. And you're right, they eventually hit one up in the air, but he just didn't. It might have been a combination of the pickle juice and the and the tablets he took a couple yep. of times and all the water. He was taking on that there'll be some great photos out of this. The one where he's lying stiff as a board on the ground is going to be memes forever. Um, mm-hmm. The one where um, I don't know which umpire it was, but basically saying, do not get up, mate. Please sit down. 
take take a take a load off here, like where Glenn's trying mm. to get back up again when he's in a world of pain. Um, and this is why I think my view is that it is the greatest one-day innings ever played. Because, yeah, there are other brilliant all-time performances. We all know what Kapil Dev uh, did against Zimbabwe in the 1983 World Cup. He's 175 not out at one stage. They're 78 for seven. Viv's 189 not out against England in 1984, which I think the, the statisticians have identified as having the highest degree of difficulty from where they were in the huge partnership for the last week at Gilchrist making 149 in a World Cup final. So that extra pressure of doing it mm. in a World Cup final and hitting like a 70 ball 100 or, or whatever it was and, and going on from going on with it and, and taking the game away from Sri Lanka. But I think all of it combined, the injury, the drama, the let off, the making the most of the chances, the broad smile, uh, the madness of Pat Cummins striking at 17 down the other end, they're still holding down a non-inconsiderable tally of one, uh, 292 to be their target. The way he finished it off Majib, the bloke who dropped him, 6-6-4-6 six, mm. six, six to get there. All of these straight-legged, you know, basically uh, statuesque sixes that he clubs with perfect timing and no feet that he can possibly use. I think you, you, you bundle that up all that together, yep. and that's where I land on. They, 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 we'll never see anything like this ever again. 201 no. not out, as Ian Smith said. You can wait a lifetime to see another innings like that, um, and I'm glad that I'm I'm relieved that uh, Glenn was able to do something like that because I, I mean I, only you know there, there's a whole other layer to this which we might go into in a sec. Only fifty over double hundred by an Australian, so he beats Shane Watson's old record of one eighty five, um, which is you know one that we've enjoyed looking back on a lot over the years. So yeah, and 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 the fact that he was able to find these gaps everywhere from fine leg to deep mid-wicket to deep backward point where there just shouldn't have been boundaries in between those fielders. There shouldn't have been, with just the wrists, because he couldn't swing into the ball, he was able to put enough pace on it to beat boundary riders yep. who were waiting back. Um, and and I, I have to say, like, how much you feel for Afghanistan. There were, like, I, don't, I doubt this was picked up on the TV. There are certain things you get to see at the ground, but well after that game, once they'd finished the presentations, Jonathan Trott was sitting out there on those advertising boards by the by the side of the boundary and he just had his face in his hands for yeah. for a good period of time and then he then he dropped his hands and he just he was just sitting there looking out over the ground like he couldn't bear to speak to anybody he was devastated the way that that, that um, Hashmatullah spoke at the press conference afterwards yeah. he was shattered absolutely shattered because they had world cup semi-final qualification in the palm of their hands you know had they got this five wins they would have been every chance to go through they would have been extremely unlucky not to go through from that point um and they should have thrashed australia sufficiently that they would have got a big net run rate boost they had it they had it right there ibrahim zadran makes their first ever world cup hundred earlier in that mm. day should have been on the winning side you know played a gem of an innings and 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 the way that the bowlers worked off the top, you know, they played so well up until the point that they ran into an unstoppable force. And what do you do? You know, it's like the Australians at, at Headingley in in 2019. What do you do when that happens? It's something that happens to you. It's not that you played badly. Like yeah, they dropped a couple of catches and they could have taken them, but you're supposed to get another catch. A guy's not supposed to rattle off another 170 runs after you drop him in a one-day international, right? A ball's supposed to go up in the air at some point and you catch it. That's just the natural order of things. And what we saw today was against the natural order of things. And so I really feel for that team that has worked so hard and had the game and, and had it taken away. Yeah, and the emotional stuff you're referring to, right? Like, that's why we do this. You know, there's all sorts of things that um, many of us could be doing with our lives 
and there sometimes feels like there's a futility about being involved in professional sport. Like, you know, what are we doing? You know, as as far as making you know the world a better place, if you want to be thoroughly altruistic about it, well, we're talking about the cricket. But it's days like today. It's the emotion that's overlaid. It's the journey you go on together, and it's impossible to divorce the emotion of us being friends with Glenn from this, right? Like, you know, I would I don't envy you having to call out on radio. I would have been a mess because. I care a lot about him. He's a friend, you know, and that's and we don't claim to be overly journalistic when it comes to him. We try our best, but you know, it is kind of a situation that's evolved over time, and that's human nature. And you know, I, I thought when I saw him in India, and I said this after the Dutch podcast when he made the hundred the other week, that seeing him in as bad a nick of that at the start of the year, I thought he's going to really struggle here. His leg was in serious strife. He'd missed a lot of cricket. Um, you know, what was going to be required to get back to that level, that, that, that level where, you know, you don't see many people get to, this is the peak of the craft, right? Thousands of people have played professional cricket, hundreds of thousands, millions have taken the field with a dream of doing so. He's one of the, the best to ever do it, or maybe the most gifted is a better word to use to ever do it. And to see him reach peak performance, having gone through as much as he's gone through just to get back to this level again, you do get emotionally caught up in all of this. And mm. um, yeah, I'm just so proud of him um, as a mate and a friend that he has had this chance to do this thing that people now will talk about forever. It's fucking cool. Um, and um, I hope he senses how much love there is out there for him. I'm sure he does because, you know, that's the nature of being a professional athlete. Everyone wants to piss in your pocket, but... Mm. Um, you know, even last week, even last week, and we spoke about this on the weekly show uh, when he fell off the back of the golf cart, that'll go down in folklore, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it didn't take much for people to get, get on his back once again. Um, to do this in the way that he's done it, it's um, it's something that I'll, I'll never forget. You'll never forget. And uh, I doubt any of our listeners will either. I've got something to follow on from that, but I think it fits in well with the Hall of Fame. So maybe let's go there. All right, final word, Hall of Fame, uh, brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. Jeff, we've been doing a big drive uh, around the, the blood banks in London over the last week. Not, you know, us driving people to them, but uh, literally, but maybe at least uh, uh, driving them in a, in, a, in, a, in a traffic sense because um, we've been seeing lots of reports from our listeners being prompted to donate blood before Christmas, which is an acutely challenging time for blood banks where they need to get more in because there are just more accidents and all the rest of it. So NHS do have blood banks at Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. Blood.co.uk is the easiest way to register. Either if you've donated blood before, you know your blood type. That's easy. If you don't, you go to the centre. They do a pinprick test straight away. And then from there, you can sit in the chair and, and you're all set. So um, if you're inclined to do so, it, it'd be uh, a great time to consider going down to Westfield London or Westfield Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. Uh, we're not far away from Christmas. So we won't pest you about this anymore, but um, thanks to those listeners of ours who've, um, who've taken this as their cue. Jeff, your final word moment of the day. What you were talking about before about um, trying to describe what was happening out there because uh, like, so I, I missed you today because I, I was on air for a lot of it. So I, I was doing this game um, with Daniel Norcross and, and Henry Moran were the callers listed to do it. Um, Daniel got crook overnight and couldn't come in at all. So he, he spent oh. the day um, just just ejecting things oh, from no. both ends in his hotel room. And, um, he, lo and, he, and, he, and he loves Maxi as well, uh, Norky. Yep. Um, yeah, well, so he, he was he was on air for a lot of the, the Dutch 100, so he got to enjoy himself there at least. Um, Henry made it through the first innings and then the same thing hit him. So he was, nice. he was down for the count through the second inning. So I basically did 
most of the second innings on my own. Um, and I was, I was, you know, I was thinking it would have, it would have been nice if, you, if you'd been there to be able to, um, yeah. to, to, to share the workload and, and share the moment. But uh, they, yeah, so there was sub pressure, but uh, you know, I had a ball at the same time because there were there were all of these moments, and it just got more and more ridiculous. So you couldn't get tired doing it because there was no point where it was repetitive. It kept changing and becoming something else. So that that was that was um, extraordinary as a thing to get to do. You know, I, I doubt I'll get to do something like that again in my life. Just on a personal note, you know, seeing somebody else do something that that they will never get to repeat in their lives. You know, no, it may be that no one ever plays an innings quite like this again. I'm, I'm not sure how the the situation could collide to make it possible. Although, we, you know, we do always see there's always a new extraordinary thing in sport. That's one of the reasons we love it so much. People have said to me in the past, oh, you know, you love your footy. Wouldn't you be a great, you know, wouldn't it be a great option to go into football commentary? And I've had to remind them that if um, I was doing that and I was trying to be professional, uh, if it were a grand final, final quarter and Hawthorne were a kick up or a kick down, I would struggle. Um, and I felt that emotion today, like I would have struggled to have called that game normally. I mean, you, I suppose you, you shift gears and you need to find a way to separate yourself from the moment. But, you know, as I said before, like it's part of the fun. It's part of what makes us human to um, go on these journeys with, with players um, and and Glenn, especially with us. Um, I don't have any regret about that. Like, cause sometimes it's been tough, right? Like he's gone mm. through um, really tough times and we have felt that not because we're, um, you know, he's sharing the burden with us necessarily, but covering his career. And there have been very high points and very low points. And yeah. even at the start of this tournament, when um, he failed against India and failed again against uh, South Africa and, you know, you could kind of sort of start to think there might be a bit of a drumbeat here. If he doesn't pull his finger out soon, he's going to be dropped or something like that. Um, and feeling that every time he walks out, it, it, it to me has always felt a little bit like when Dean Jones walked out when I was a kid and just desperately wanting it to work out for him. And now the extra layer of that, it's not just like Dean, your childhood hero, it's someone who's become a mate. So yeah, you getting to see that and call that um, you, you will that'll sit with you forever. So it's a, a very appropriate um, addition to the final word Hall of Fame. I've got a couple of others. Um, Manus at the national anthem today feels like a long time ago. Now it was probably about twelve hours ago. But um, closing his eyes as I put on Twitter, belting it out like Celine Dion. Um, uh, I, I would have loved to have been stood next to him. He was the one who was initiating the sway down one end as well. So he was um, very attached to the whole thing and, and played his role today, I suppose. Mitchell Stark wearing black sleeves. We've seen the mm. gold, we've seen the green. Now we've seen Stark wearing the black for those who have been keeping tabs on this through the course of uh, the last seven weeks. Yep. Uh, and Ibrahim Zadran, who um, I'm not sure this will get picked up in quite the same way now because uh, events have overtaken it. But the way he lavished praise on Sachin Tendulkar at his interview <laughs> halfway through the game, he kind of said at the end, just I want to say one more thing. I dedicate this innings to Sachin Tendulkar being there yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure he's a savvy social media operator and knowing if he says those words and they're clipped up, he'll find himself another a million followers or, or something like that. Um, there there is so some. much more. I've, I've, one other I need an honourable mention for is Rashid Khan bowling a ball so good that he did a forward roll afterwards in excitement. <laughs> that leg break that he bowls that fizzes past the outside edge. Um, and, and there's nothing to appeal for because it hasn't taken the nick and it hasn't hit the pad, but he's so excited he just throws himself on the ground and rolls around for a while. Uh, Hashmat Tadullah, who, um, who is the captain, of course, uh, of, of Afghanistan, the flourish in which he gave the tea for the for the um, the challenge was noted by Nick Tooby on Twitter as yep. being final word. Hall of Fame worthy, as it was by Guy Hornsby, one of our listeners, that Maxi hit 69% of Australia's runs tonight. Nice. 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 <laughs> if, if only they'd been all out. <laughs>
It would have been Bannerman territory. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm glad. So we, we ended up recording this a bit late. There's a, you know, that's why I'm sitting in the hotel because everybody else in the commentary box was throwing up. So we had to, uh, you know, get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, but I'm glad we had a little extra beat to think about it. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, it's a 35-minute daily episode. Fine. There was, there was no other way we could have done it tonight. Um, and and I, I hope that everybody listening understands that. I think they will. This has been the final word daily in terms of what's to come. Just six group games left in this protracted stage. Uh, England play the Dutch tomorrow in the what the European Championship or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe Scotland would get in against the Netherlands for that at the moment. Uh, Afghanistan's next game. They still, I wouldn't say they've got their destiny in their own hands, but if they absolutely pump South Africa, they might. They play on Friday. Australia play Bangladesh uh, on Saturday at Pune. Uh, and um, yes, that's it, Jeff. It's a a day that we won't forget for all the right reasons. Uh, thanks for coming with us on this journey. And once again, Glenn Maxwell, you fucking beauty. I ain't breezing and I ain't George Benson. I ain't protected by the way I ain't fenced. And if my future questions, my current senses, that'd be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty, wrote this so you know what I meant. I had to go about.